DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me, nothing's gonna stand in my way. Welcome to today's episode of the Donald Thompson Podcast. Recently, Don had the opportunity to talk with two dynamic leaders in the Charlotte area, and we wanted to share those as a powerful combination today. Later in the episode, you'll hear from Greg Brown, administrator of the Charlotte Angel Fund, and he talks to Don about some of the successes they've had in the Charlotte startup scene, the importance of making diverse connections, and what types of pitches he sees that truly grab his attention. But first, we lead off with Dr. Brandon Wolf. Chief Diversity Officer at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, as he talks about the impact of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and what his work means for the greater Charlotte community. Well, let's get right to it. I have the opportunity today to introduce you all to Brandon Wolf, and Brandon is the Chief Diversity Officer at UNC Charlotte here in North Carolina. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Give us a flavor of what your goals are with UNC Charlotte and what your charter is in that role as a chief diversity officer for a major university. I jokingly tell everybody that I'm basically Walmart as it relates to diversity work here, but um, the role the role is relatively simple. I'm just a chief strategist for how do we implement, nourish, and sustain DEI throughout the institution in a manner that's clearly reflected in our policies, our practices, and our institutional norms. It's a pretty comprehensive role, but you know, thanks to Chancellor Gaber for creating this position and bringing in uh, my predecessor, Dr. Sherway Spellman, as a special assistant to kind of both set the table for me. The great thing about this role, which is also one of the challenges, is that it's um no two days are the same. Um, when you think about DEI work, it's integrated into every aspect of our institution. This work has evolved beyond enrollment and recruitment and retaining of diverse populations, but it's also how we're now looking at how do we sustain that work? How do we, how is our work integrated into the practice of not just higher education and what we do inside the classroom, but also how does it impact the institutional mission? Because as universities, we're not just places for higher learning, we're also a business. So what does DEI look like in the frame of 
supplier diversity? What does it look like in a frame of how do we treat our employees? Um, what does it look like in the frame of the, the services we provide to, and, and I, I would say our greater social responsibility to the, the community around us because we're not an island within our own community. So this is our charge. This is our mission. And it's all goals and support and dovetailing with the uh, the larger university strategic plan. That's really powerful. One of the questions that I have, and you mentioned kind of the integration of DEI with all the fabrics, right, of a university. And, you know, if you think about any large university, right, you mentioned, right, you have employees, you have a link to the community, mm -hmm. you have a function as a business to operate properly. Here's my question. How do you get somebody to understand the impact of DEI when they're just starting to hear the term? They don't really understand its impact in the way they work. What are some of the things that you do say to, to help people on that initial momentum burst, right, of their DEI journey? I say it starts with relationship building. I, I take this from my grandmother, and this has been the, the framing of this work for me, is that people don't care what you know till they know that you care. So in that realm, we find common understanding, like regardless of where we're from, regardless of um, what we believe, where we are in terms of our social economic class, our race, all these factors, we all find common ground around humanity, right? At the very core, uh, our, our very humanity, we all want to feel protected. We all want to feel embraced. We all want to feel loved. We all want to feel that we're that we're contributing and that we're valued in the work that we do. And we also want to feel as if that we're accepted in the sense that we can bring our whole selves to the table and, and, and we can thrive and be successful together. Now, the key thing about success is that success is a partnership. It's you and I figuring out what works best and how we can advance it together for the sake of the entire community. So that's kind of exactly where I start, right? So for so at the at the most basic, basic level is the question then becomes, how do I champion and protect your humanity in a way that allows for you to do what you do really well? That's powerful. I like the phrase, how do we advance together? Because there's a lot in that statement. One, one when you think about the word advance, mm -hmm. we're moving forward. We have a lot of history that can divide us when we have those conversations. But ultimately, we need that history to determine the better way forward. But advancing together gives that that intersection that we all need each other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's hard for people to remember, to understand and apply, right? That if we're going to do something significant and universities are built and designed to do something significant, then we can't do things in silos, which brings me to my, my next question. Universities are big organizations, mm -hmm. business schools educational schools, medical schools, research, science, these are all different types of thinkers, different types of individuals. How are you helping bridge the gap with folks that have different perspectives on the world in a university system and then bringing that DEI together for that better culture for UNCC? Oh man, it goes back to what I said before, right? It's about relationship building. I'm one of the people who believe that if there's not enough seats at the table, we just we just continue to extend the table. Right. So uh, the beauty of this work is that we're not looking for everybody to agree with what we're doing. I believe that diversity of thought, 
is what makes us better, right? I, I think that if, if we're not being challenged, if we're not being critiqued, we're not being refined in the fires of of just of our differences and the different personalities and all the things that come together that, you know, for those people who are allies of this work, those who are activists of this work, and you have those who are apathetic or even antagonistic against this work. I mean, that exists. That is the very real reality that we're in. The key is not to focus so much on our differences, but to focus on our shared strand, right? Our shared strand is that no matter where we're from, no matter what we think or what we value or how we prioritize, we all have a vested interest in the university move forward. So how do we come together in such a way and settle on strategic priorities on advancing this university in a manner that does not dehumanize individuals by how they think, how they feel, or what they believe? And that's that's really, again, at the core of this work is about how are we able to sustain relationships to continue to move forward? One of the things that I, as I have the opportunity to talk with a lot of leaders in the work that we do, sustainability comes up a lot, right? How do we not just get something started, right? Where everyone's excited, right? But when the work starts, when the conflict that can lead to harmony, because sometimes you've got to have some healthy tension-based conversations to lead to a harmonious future, right? It's that push through. So here's the question that I have for, for you. Being a leader in this space is a highly emotive, a highly emotional type work, highly engaged. I read a stat of a very high percentage of burnout in HR leaders, in chief diversity leaders. What are some of the things that you do as a leader to keep yourself energized, to keep yourself fresh, to keep yourself motivated when some of this work is, there's tough days to it, right? And there's days where it doesn't feel like we're making progress, even though we're pushing against this rock. What are some of the things that you do to keep future forward on your mind? Oh my gosh. So I have a number of things. First, everything I do is grounded in my faith. And in my faith, I've learned that this work that I'm engaging in that's become a that's become my ministry is bigger than me. And so the chances are of me on my role undoing 400 plus years of systemic oppression, that is is <laughs> very slim that I'll be able to accomplish all these things in my lifetime. But what I can do is make an impact and take a farmer's approach to where I know that even if I don't do this, I am planting seeds to prepare the next generation to continue this work that we're doing. So I, I really take delight in knowing that, and, and this is why I kind of get to brag a little bit, is that in higher education, I'm proud to say that in my work, I've committed hundreds of attorneys into the field, physicians, engineers, engineers, teachers, other CDOs I've mentored who've come up, who've now are sitting at the helm of another institution, to nurses, other healthcare workers. So I am, as I continue to do this work, I am replenishing the field. I'm growing an army of people who are just not only culturally sensitive, but culturally responsive and who's willing to continue this journey. And it's this push for equity in various spaces. So that is what helps me. The other thing is being very practical and having boundaries uh, to be transparent. I, I think a couple years ago, I was dealing with burnout. And it was because uh, I saw something on the on the internet that triggered me. I believe it was uh, someone was murdered. Um, I, I can't, I don't remember the person who was murdered, but 
watching the commentary on it just it did something to me and it was and it, and I said, like, you know what? I just need to unplug. So I, I take place and I make it a point to just fast away from time to time to help replenish my spirit. Also, too, and I take the time to read. So there's one book, actually two books that I read. One was uh, Daring to Be Great by Brene Brown, which kind of helped me recenter this work. But also it was this also book by uh, Ariana Huffington called uh, Thrive. It was called Thrive. And it was in that book, it helps you to really rethink and question yourself about why do I do what I do, but also what does success ultimately look like, right? And a part of that success is, you know, having a balanced and rhythmic lifestyle. So I take that with me with everything that I do. So I'm not just doc. I'm not Doctor Wolf. Once I leave this office, when I leave this office, I'm branded. I'm silly. I um. I'm moody. Uh, I have my long time. I get to be a husband. I have a privilege to do so many other things. So keeping that balance helps me to continuously engage in this work because as I continue to live life, that life that I live continues to inspire me and that becomes my wife. So everybody that I meet along this journey, whether it's students, whether it's the janitor, whether it's the people at the gas station, I know who I'm doing this work for because I'm preparing the next generation. I love that. Right. I, I it, it's bigger than me, but what can I do? Mm-hmm. Right. That that was a thing that jumped off the, the page. Right. It's it's what can we do to make an impact with the tools we have, the position that we're in, make that path better for those that come after. And the phrase that you used or a, or a way of describing it, not just being culturally sensitive, but being culturally responsive. What I'd like to do is give you some space to share a thought promote something that's happening at the university. What would you like to share that I haven't asked you about, right? In terms of thinking, something reading, something's going on at the university, something you want to promote. But I just want to give you some space to share something I might not have even known to ask. Well, a couple things. One is that we're in the process of building out something that I believe would be just phenomenal. I, I love this work. I'm serious about this work. I'm investing in this work. Uh, we have a chancellor who is bar none exceptional. And we're going to be doing a lot of amazing things, not just in the realms of DEI, but in terms of solidifying our leadership and taking the helm of the great work that we've been doing for many years at this institution. So I know the chancellor made a mention of something earlier this week and I've been having it on repeat. And she was like, we're no longer a hidden jewel. We, 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 we're no longer a hidden jewel. We have to continue to just take our stand and have ourselves out there. So uh, with that being said, um, I'm doubling down. Be on the lookout for what we're doing as an institution. We're going to do some amazing things. The other thing I will like to say is that um, get involved. Like this, this work doesn't happen without you. And this isn't just to the people on our campus, but this is the people in our community as well. We all have a shared responsibility. And UNC Charlotte is prime as, as one of the major institutions in the city of Charlotte to uh, shift the culture and to strengthen the economic impact and the recovery of our, of our city as well as our nation. And this is how we move forward and advance our community for this generation and the many to follow. I think it's a powerful way to end it. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> uh, I think that it is both my pleasure to have met you and then we're now a part of one another's network. 
Absolutely. Right. And so if anything that we can do at the diversity movement, we have a lot of free content on our site relative to uh, learning guides, research materials on DEI, a lot of various videos and research. Certainly we work more with corporations, but we do have a handful of university organizations that we partner with, uh, large scale universities. And it's not because organizations and universities can't do the work. Sometimes they need an innovation partner. Mm-hmm. We share materials that help them do some of the work they're doing faster, right? Whether it's our library of 500 plus micro videos that can be integrated, or I will tell this um, to our audience, but also to you as a shameless pitch. Um, well, I got you is that our leaders, Jackie Ferguson and Roxanne Bellamy have just produced their first book together. It is called the inclusive language handbook. And one of the reasons that we found this very powerful is that getting people to change their language instead of saying man hours, saying person hours, instead of saying policeman, saying officer, understanding our pronouns, understanding how our language can rise people up or tear people down, right? Understanding the genesis from phrases like the rule of thumb, things of that nature. When people improve their language and conversations, it gives us a better platform for the broader work we want to do. And so we try to start everyone with, let's just speak better to one another. Let's just be more inclusive in our language. And what we find is people nod their head, I can do that. Because it doesn't make it such this monolithical thing that they have to change. Mm -hmm. We can just change how we communicate a little better one conversation at a time. And so we're finding this this book uh, get a lot of great traction and and would love your feedback as 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 a leader. So I'll probably send you a copy. And, and hope that we'll, we'll get that on your reading list. Absolutely. You know, I think it's shifting the dialogue from cultural competency to cultural humility and that this is a lifelong practice. This isn't just something you check the box on and you move on, but we're constantly living and learning and growing with each and every interaction. That's exactly right. Well, listen, my friend, I have uh, absolutely enjoyed it. I want to be careful with your time, but I just from talking with you, like I can just feel UNCC has made a great choice. And uh, I'm glad that you're there. And as someone that is investing dollars, sending my daughter uh, to your institution, uh, it makes me happy that the chancellor and the leadership of your organization care enough to bring on somebody of your caliber to lead the charge, right? And to really be thoughtful about how DEI matters to the whole university. And And I mean that sincerely, because where we send our kids to be educated, we have to trust that that institution has them at the center, right, of, of what they're doing, and, and it seems so. That was Dr. Brandon Wolf from UNC Charlotte. Now let's pivot from higher education to startups with Greg Brown from the Charlotte Angel Fund. To start, Don asked Greg what differentiates a pitch he's heard a thousand times with something that actually stands out. Sometimes the entrepreneur, it's hard because they know so much about their business and they want to tell it all to you. And you're a lay person. You don't know that like an entrepreneur who can't connect with a lay person is very unlikely to be successful in securing angel capital. Mm. They might be able to because we're generalists, right? We're going to have three companies pitch at our meeting. One's a consumer product. One's a SaaS business. And one's a biotech company, three completely different things. And we may or may not have any knowledge about any of those things, right? So we're not specialists versus a venture capitalist who may only do biotech stuff 
you can speak with them in a really technical way. But if you're standing up in front of Charlotte Angel Fund and there are 100 people with diverse backgrounds, you, you've got to assume they know about nothing. And it's communicate at a super high level what it is your company is doing, why it's important, why you're the right team, and why this is the right moment in time. It's that storytelling that is, I think, a really valuable entrepreneurial skill and one that's uh, at times underappreciated by the entrepreneur, right? You think about it, entrepreneurs are always telling stories, whether that's pitching employees or customers or investors or whatever, like they got to articulate different versions of it. But that ability to tell that story, the individuals who can do that well have a big leg up on those who can't. One of the things that I think about the Charlotte, the, I'll say the business ecosystem here, it's a little broad, it's broader than the startup community, is I think we're remarkably adept at integrating newcomers mm. on, on all. And I think that's been part of the success. I know specifically of it in Charlotte, but I'm sure it applies to the triangle as well. Almost nobody's from here, right? So you have to be fairly adept at integrating new people, both from the personal and professional perspective for that to work out. And I think Charlotte is, you know, I've, I've heard people, you know, they worry about, well, you, you got to be able to get in the right circles, have the right connections. I promise you, if you make a little bit of effort, you can meet with the except don't put Michael Jordan on your list, right? That's hard. But make a list of 20 people that you want to meet in Charlotte over the next year. And go ahead and put Hugh McCall on there. You'll make 15 of those happen, right? So you can do it. Charlotte is accessible, which from both a business and a personal point of view, which I think is a huge competitive advantage for this community. And it may well apply, you know, in, in other areas, whether people who are listening to this podcast reside, but I'm most familiar with it here. And I know, I know it's a welcoming place, Right both in the entrepreneurial ecosystem and otherwise. And we're not, once in a while, we have a little bit of angst here and say, gosh, you know, how come Charlotte's startup ecosystem isn't, not even the equal of the triangle? Because it's not, right? You know, but we got some good things happening here. It is well advanced from where it was when I moved here a dozen years ago at my, my wife's urging. I'll put it this way. Sometimes an entrepreneur will say to me, do I need to move somewhere else to make my business successful? And my answer to that is, if you're doing something good to great, capital will find you. Mm. I don't care where you like, whether you're in Asheville or Charlotte or Wilmington or whatever, if you're good to great, capital will find you. There's capital out there eager for deal flow. If you're going to do something, if you're doing something that's kind of, fair to Midland, like you may have to get yourself somewhere where capital is a little less discerning. But the reality is you're not, you're not out to do something mediocre, are you? You're going to be good to great. So no, I don't think you have to move to have business success. My friend, you created the, the tagline for the podcast because if you're doing something good to great, capital will find you. And entrepreneurs need that encouragement. They need that confidence that you're conveying because that is a question that we hear right in the circles that I'm rolling in as well. But Greg, this has been great. And and I look forward to sincerely to staying in touch. And you'll probably have an email with a little pitch deck 
from some of the stuff that, that, that we're doing coming, coming your way. But thank you so much for spending time with us today.